0: Head to nextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps
1: us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch
0: today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. We
1: wanted to take a moment to thank you for your continued support over the years. It's hard to believe that we've been having weekly in-depth discussions about movies since 2011.
0: That's right. Twelve years and counting. Producing this show is a labor of love for us, but it does require a lot of time and effort each week.
1: If you enjoy our podcast and would love to help keep it going, there are some easy ways you can show your support. One is by using our Originals page to shop for the original source material that movies we've discussed were based on.
0: That's right. In season one alone, we covered 13 films adapted from books or plays, from Charlie Kaufman's adaptation to David Fincher adaptations like Fight Club.
1: In season two, we covered even more, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer
0: Jack Cardiff. We can't forget about the four Jason Bourne movies we talked about. Love those movies. Well, the original trilogy, at least.
1: (laughs) For our Richard D. Zanuck series, we did Jaws, Rush, Big Fish, and more. And for our horror series, we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, which was adapted from Who Goes There?
0: We did our first great car chase series with movies like Bullet, The French Connection, and Drive. And for the holidays, we did Preston Sturgis' Christmas in July.
1: We had a great John Huston series with adaptations like The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre.
0: And for our baseball series, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Have I told you lately how much I love that movie?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think you have. Plus, our Magician series and Heist film series had adaptations as well.
0: Tons of page-to-screen gems. Listeners can find the details and links to the original material at the slash originals. Every book, play, or movie you buy through our links helps support the show, and it's no extra cost to you.
1: So dive in and get your next read today. The slash originals has all the films adapted from other sources that not only we have covered, but all of the shows on the Next Real family of
0: podcasts. Check it out and get reading. Support the show and build your reading list. It's a win-win. Head to thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Oh, well, see, that's where I get confused. Because back know. channel turns into front channel. You're next thing f- I know. You're
0: a front channel.
1: <laughs> next thing I know, everything is fair game. So I was just like, <laughs> okay.
0: I have a little uh, throat thing tonight, so I hope I don't uh, cough up anything. It's better oh. than a throat
1: big throat thing yeah,
0: yeah it's just a wee throat thing mm. how are you andrew i am i'm good good you seem yeah, a little you, s- I, you seem a little stressed
1: you know i i'm i'm taking deep breaths feeling better yeah it's all it's all gonna be okay
0: you have a do you have a tough uh tough week at work man nah. I had a, oh god i had a tough week at work Woof. doozy yeah do you have one of those things you know when you're a when you're a creative professional and you screw up is mm. a freelancer. That <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a big movie week for me, a big editing week. Big uh-huh. editing. I totally nerded out on uh Final Cut. Love Final Cut.
1: It's uh you haven't switched over to uh premiere yet, huh?
0: <laughs> Ain't gonna happen, my friend. Uh, everyone's making the switch? No, no, no. It's a temporary it's thing. A, Pendulum swings the thing. other way. Uh-huh, whatever you're an industry thing <laughs> uh so uh w- welcome to the next reel, everybody. Thank you so much for listening you'll notice uh you'll notice as you're listening to this sometime uh not now that we're not live. Go ahead and parse that a little bit of transcendental timekeeping. We're not live That's this right. week, and uh we're gonna be kind of off the live thing for just a little bit while we figure out uh <laughs> whether or not we wanna pay for a live stream. Yes. Uh, so stand by on that, but thanks for those of us, or those of you, thanks to those of us and those of you who joined the live show and actually hit our cap. Uh, so that was cool. Yeah. It was a modest cap,
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> but it all <you>, good. <laughs> but you hit cap. it,
0: you hit it. It's a very exclusive live chat, uh, or live room. Uh so there you go but uh you can find out a lot about us uh, at thenextreel.com/contact where you can find out all the twitter and and uh you know all the twitter and contact and email and phone details please we encourage you to do so and give us a ring we'll uh we'll play your voicemail on the air uh also head over to iTunes that is a great place a really terrific place to find the show and subscribe for free you can get the next reel for free every single week and not miss a single episode of movie goodness so uh, we encourage you to do that uh, and leave us a review if you don't mind because those five-star reviews help uh, they have this whole cockamamie thing it's a whole uh, algorithm i think they call them where uh, you know the more people who give the the nice reviews and the five stars the more people who've never heard of the show will actually see that review when they search for things like movies and uh, we sure would like uh, you to help us introduce them you're like a matchmaker is what you are mm-hmm. i'm gonna move on
1: and uh, in, and if you do leave us a comment, we'll read it on the air, and we promise not to
0: sing "Matchmaker." I can't. I would never, ever, never, ne- in a million <laughs> years, I would not make that promise. Oh, uh, okay. are you out of your? Oh, sorry, sorry, I. You I are guess you're nuts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Off your gourd.
1: I forgot who I was talking to. I want
0: to. I want to talk about summer. Can we talk about summer a little bit?
1: Um. Yeah. Summer. Summer from uh uh Serenity.
0: Oh, summer Glow. Wow, I could talk about her all night and day.
1: <laughs>
0: Crazy kung but, fu summer,
1: but, but not that summer.
0: Nope, we're going to talk about summer movies. I just have, I got it. We got a question. Uh, I, I, I got a, uh, I got a question on the Facebook from a dear friend of the show, uh, Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, uh, yeah, she's uh, she's uh, she's in one of the. Uh, um, where is she? He's in like not Chicago, but it's outside of Chicago, in Illinois. Amy from Peoria, Amy from Peoria on the line, and she has this question. Outside of Ender's Game, which uh, hits November first, which I we haven't talked about yet, and I, we've you know I've seen only some promotional stills from it, but I'm very. Have you read the book, are you a fan of the book Ender? You Ender's know Game? I
1: have, but uh, I'm not a fan of the author.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, but the movie, the I, book was I, great.
1: I, I I feel like I'm going to have to take the book off my shelf and, and get rid of it. It's sad but true, but I just... Yeah, I, I really can't tolerate that author. No, I mean,
0: and I get it. I get it. Oh, no, you're, I see it. I would never want us to, you know, jump up and down on your... Mission. <laughs> Thank you. But I am excited about this movie, and uh, I'm also excited about Star Trek, obviously, and Into Darkness on May 17th. Uh, uh, Amy from Peoria asks, uh, what other movies in 2013 would be deserving of, as she says, nerdist premiere day events?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I, that inspired me to ask you, my friend. I made a list of my top 13 between now and kind of the end of July, uh, and I want to see if I've missed any. That so you would be just important.
1: just through this the summer, huh? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so I, you know, Ender was didn't enter my list because I don't, you know, I well, barely yeah. getting through the end of the week. So
1: Well, and Ender's coming out at next yeah. Thanksgiving anyway. Right, right, right. That's that's a long past.
0: Long, 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 long past. Okay. So I, I, let me just give you my list in chronological okay, yes. order. Okay. Okay. All okay. right. Now some of these are not so I I actually uh this is my list of top thirteen not all of these represent films that I will be there opening night okay gotcha all right first one's coming up right away trance we talked about the trailer last week very excited for trance i'll be there opening night on that one
1: what about uh well sorry it's your list you go ahead
0: yeah the the challenge with that is upstream color which also comes out april 5th that's on my list as well and it's uh, and uh it uh you know I, it's an opening weekend movie for me Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, it's a Disaster, April 12th. Uh, it's not an opening night but I'm very excited for that one. I think it's going to be worth seeing uh, this summer. Uh, then we get into the big ones, right? The latter half of April, we got Oblivion, definitely going to be their opening. I think that's going to be fun. Iron Man 3, very high on my list. Uh, Great Gatsby, May 10th. Uh, is That's an opening weekend for me, maybe not uh, opening night. Star Trek Into Darkness, I, I as I m- mentioned to... Uh, sarmento uh, and you uh, in on facebook i have fandangoed the first like eight shows i want to make sure i get you know a full 21 hours of star trek in a row you know opening day through the second day I'm, I'm that excited about that movie uh obviously we've got now you see me may 31st uh a magic slash heist movie very excited about that uh, and then after earth june 7th man of steel Another high one on my list, World War Z June 21st. Hard to believe it's going to take till June to get that movie in theaters. It sure is. Sure is hard to believe. Uh Pacific Rim July 12th, definitely not an opening night movie, but I'm excited to see it for the sheer uh you know, spectacle of it. Insanity. Yeah. Insanity of it. And finally, uh I don't know how to f- Now that I've seen it, I've, I you may be talking about this one tonight, uh The Wolverine. Uh, the next Wolverine movie with Hugh Jackman on July 26th. I've seen the trailer. I will reserve judgment if you're going to talk about that one tonight.
1: Yeah, I'll we'll chat just right. very briefly. Do you want me to talk about it now? Or?
0: No, no, no. I want you to see. Did I miss anything on my list? Are there any in here that you you are particularly excited about uh, or uh, you think should be just dumped?
1: There's absolutely some that, uh, that you're missing. You're a liar. <laughs> well, Evil Dead. That's, that would not be on my list. Oh, see that's totally on my list. Okay. It, we're we're talking like nerd geek out films, right? I don't know. I I'd, I'd put that on my list. Okay,
0: all right, Evil Dead.
1: You mentioned Oblivion, right? Okay, yep. And uh, I think in uh I think you did a good job in May. I think you hit all the big ones in there. Um yeah, I, I would say the Hangover Part 3, but I, I think that because I kind of lost interest in Hangover 2, I think that the the nerd geek out factor is kind of gone from that one for me. That,
0: that was exactly my thought. I had exactly that thought.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, in June... Uh I think you hit the big ones. I think there's a yeah no again I think there's a little less interest in Monsters University for me now. I just I'm not so keen on the idea. It potentially could be, but I think it it's not for me. World War Z definitely. White House Down, I think that one looks uh a lot more exciting than what's the other current White House uh takeover movie that's out right now.
0: I, I pay so little attention to the White, White House movies. I <laughs> well, did that, uh, I did watch the White House Down trailer today that, that it, just came out this week. Yeah. It
1: looks more interesting than the, the other one, the one that's out right now. <clears throat> I, I'm Channing Tatum, Jamie yeah. Fox. It's, I'm glad that you skipped Lone Ranger. So that was very smart of you to yep. skip that one. Um, I'm certainly glad you skipped Grown Ups 2. That definitely should not be mentioned right. ever. Wolverine is definitely, I think, will be a fun one. I'm really kind of hoping it's going to be. Um, there's a uh, in August, Elysium, I think, is another big one that you missed.
0: It That's, didn't go I told you I didn't do August. It's part of the summer though. I I, I said I went through the I end know. of July.
1: I know. I so I'm 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 uh, You're reprimanding sh- you for reprimanding not me having gone into August because August you, is, is it's gonna be a great August. And it's I've gonna be two, a great August. Two big reasons. Okay. okay? Elysium. Elysium. It's Neil Blomkamp's new movie. He did D- District, District nine, 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 right? Years ago. This is a it's a great script. Uh it's gonna be a really fun movie. I'm very excited about it. And then the other one that's exciting that um has just been moved to August. Uh I
0: think Oh, Jurassic year. Park three D. No. It was <laughs>
1: <laughs> close. <laughs> it's it's Part three of the Cornetto, uh, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, The World's End, has now been moved to August. So, that for me is the big exciting thing that's happening.
0: We're going to have to do that one right away, aren't we? Just so we can finish that series. Absolutely. All right. Can't wait. Okay, well, that's good. That's a good thing. So uh, if you have anything else, uh, people uh, people of Earth, if you uh, are we missing any that you're really excited about that we we are not talking about? Because you can bet we'll talk a lot more about all of these movies as we get through the summer. And uh, I know a couple of these are going to end up on our film board list. So uh, head over to the slash film board and you can find out what the gang is going to be up to there. I also have a request uh, from another listener. A uh, friend of the show, uh, Kurt, uh, from Seattle, we were chatting about this whole thing, and he said, "He, he said, you know, sometimes I go to the website and I want to listen to a show, and it's a movie I haven't seen yet, and so I just kind of put it off and think, well, I'm not gonna, I, I'll, I'll, when I see the movie, I'll listen to the show, and that, of course, is that, that doesn't happen, and I wonder if he's not alone. What do you think? You think he's alone? I don't think he's alone. I don't know." Uh, and so his request was that we publish uh, at some portion, at least, of our upcoming schedule mm. so that you can you can see apart from listening this week and we'll tell you what's coming next week. Isn't that uh, enough? So, Don't people have all the spare time to watch? A well, movie once n- <laughs> not if we're like Kurt, who doesn't actually listen to the show every week. Hey, he missed Moon last week and didn't right. know that tonight was going to be Gattaca because we're so secretive so that was a request uh and i think we should publish maybe the next three but f- you know the next month well, well we'll talk about it well i'm just saying it's out there it's out there okay all right. um let's see what else we have going on uh, but you don't let's talk about some trailers do you have anything else nope i all think right. that's it all right looking forward to a good summer uh let's hear about let's hear what you're going to talk about your trailer
1: well, I was yeah. I mean, you kind of already mentioned it. I I think uh, the the new trailer for the Wolverine looks pretty exciting. I'm kind of uh, excited to see what they're going to do with this. I thought the previous Wolverine movie, which was just Wolverine, um, was not really good. In fact, it was really quite bad. Not just as a story, but the effects, everything about it really just didn't work at all. And I was really disappointed in it because I have always I've never been a an X-Men comic book follower, uh, but I've enjoyed the X-Men movies. I really enjoyed the Wolverine character, and what they were doing with him. I think Hugh Jackman plays that character really well. I think he seemed to like the first time I saw him, it just seemed like he captured the essence of what everyone always seemed like told me what Wolverine was all about. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Then that Wolverine movie came out, which is horrible. But now he's back with the wolverine so the sequel instead of wolverine 2 it's wolverine and now it's the wolverine uh he's back this was the one that uh, darren aronofsky was going to direct for a little bit but now uh, james mangold ended up being the one who directed it which is kind of exciting he did 310 to yuma he did uh, copland walk the line some great movies that i really enjoy and I, after watching the trailer, I got to say, I, I have some high hopes for this. I think it's going to be a very interesting story. Wolverine goes to Japan, um, finds a, a person from his past that he had saved who seems to actually be an enemy and, and you know, alters Wolverine's uh, um Whatever it is that keeps him makes him so he can heal himself and essentially keeps him uh living forever, he alters that and now Wolverine can
0: be hurt and I don't but, know. but it was like by request. Like Wolverine, it's yeah, like it looks the like... curse of oh my god, you're like the curse of awesome, and now we're gonna try and get rid of the awesome and make you not awesome.
1: It's the it's the curse of living forever. I mean, you lose everyone you love. Whatever. That's why vampires are also depressed.
0: Ah. <sighs> I I have such trouble with that, and that's a problem. That's my that is my central problem with this, and it's my central problem with any of the superhero movies that come out that are all about superhero angst. You know what? You are awesome. You have adamantium bones and blades that come out of your fist, and you live forever. So go skiing and do something <laughs> crazy, right? So get get over yourself. Go save some people, fight some crime, find a villain, and it can't be your inner demons. Wow, uh, you're you're just a you know. just want to see
1: all surfacey. Uh, kind yeah, of just yeah. simple story. That's huh?
0: why I get into it. That's I why okay. I am into these kinds of movies. And so, you know, I'm sure I'll probably like it, but there will <laughs> always be that inner 12 year old that just wants to watch him beat up somebody who is a master villain. That's why I cannot wait. I think uh, that's one of the reasons I love the Iron Man series so much is because there is there is some inner demon stuff, but mostly he's just really cool at building stuff that beats people up.
1: No, uh, this new one
0: looks pretty angsty. It's angsty, but there is a supervillain. Yeah, please, dude, supervillain. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. What's your trailer? Uh, you know, we we're get, we're gearing up for a, a. Are we talking about this? We're not doing the series yet, but we've got a series coming up where we're going to be talking about movies about magic. But I've already done a trailer. I've done the Burt Wonderstone. We talked about the Burt Wonderstone trailer coming up. Well, a trailer came out this week that I had never seen, and I thought it was quite charming. It's it's uh, uh, I, uh, strikes me as a vastly lower budget uh, version of Burt Wonderstone, uh, put in in that kind of vein, Desperate Acts of Magic. Uh, the let's see, yeah, it comes out May third. Uh, and it is the story of, a of a man who's fired from his job to become a, a, a magician. And it's the, um, you know, what, uh, he goes through to learn to be a magician and the, um, uh, the politics of magic. And it's, uh, it looks like a really, uh, uh, sort of a fun, uh, a fun comedy that, um, I, I think it's, uh, it's not quite as big as Now You See Me. And so it's got, it's got a lot of, um. A lot of charm and a little bit of romance as he goes head to head with a female street magician who is vastly superior to his own and, and to his own magic. So, have you poked around on their website? Uh, you know, I was just, I just closed it as you were talking about yeah. what I was thinking. So,
1: magic dot com, and it's uh, it's interesting because I mean, it's it's nice to see how filmmakers nowadays are finding ways to get their projects out there. They're not necessarily yeah. relying on a distributor. This is a perfect example. These are people who. Are wanting to travel around the country and forewall the the theater, basically renting theaters and get it into theaters where people can watch it. So it's it's great that they're really pushing this out there.
0: I think it is too. It looks it it's it's got that that indie spirit. I'm very excited about it.
1: Yeah, and it's got a nice little
0: wackiness to it. It just got a lot of wackiness. Uh, so looks good. Uh, so Desperate Acts of Magic, the Wolverine uh lots of other things we're excited about this week but definitely those did you want to talk about the stephen king thing check that out all right i'm i'm gonna post a stephen king thing on facebook so everybody should go check that out facebook.com slash the next reel for the stephen king thing excellent it's very it's from an australian so deal with that (laughs) i love that it's exciting right shall we talk about this uh the movie tonight Let's. It seems like you're busy. Are you typing up something? A report? Mm
1: -hmm. Budget? I was. I was. I am budgeting right now. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I do when I'm bored. I just, I'm going to budget. I'm going to do some more budgeting.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what a horrible life.
1: I don't get enough of that in my life. (laughs)
0: That's terrible. We're doing Gattaca tonight. Yeah.
1: It's a little sad. We're already at the end of our original sci-fi series.
0: Man, that was a
1: short run it really was way too short
0: i okay so we're going to talk more about what original sci-fi means to you uh later but this this movie i think did you add this to our list or was this one of mine i think it was you i i we just kind of threw a bunch out there i don't remember who
1: came up with this
0: well i'm i uh i'm i'm very excited about this movie i it it's funny to watch this movie after I, I think mostly after Dark City and Moon, because uh, this has such an interesting vibe, uh, kind of a visual vibe, uh, yeah. in in that sort of spiritual trilogy, trilogy. You know what I'm saying? You know, in a way,
1: all four of them have something interesting to talk about and, and how they relate to what it means
0: to be a person. Well, see, now the reason... I mentioned those two is because I've already forgotten what the other one was. What are we talking? Dark, about? Dark City. I said Dark City. Dark City and Moon uh, and, and then, Sunshine. Sunshine. <laughs> oh, totally. I How absolutely would have added that one in. Uh, there you go. That was a great movie. We should do that.
1: <laughs> we should. Let's talk about it.
0: Okay. So, talk, Tell. Tell me what you think about this movie. Gattaca. You know, this was a. A
1: fascinating film, and I remember when I, I saw the trailer, I I instantly was hooked. The trailer just had a vibe to it that looked like a really unique vision of, of a science fiction story. It didn't have to be out in space. It was really kind of the nature of uh, fictional science and what it means to be a society that essentially is... Um, modifying children before they're born using their dna to essentially create the perfect version of what the parents want their child to be so that the kid gets the best hereditary traits of their parents and it creates this society where you have all these perfect people and then you have another group, class of people you could almost say of of people who are born traditional ways where their parents didn't want to go through this genetic Uh, you know, uh, diagnosis process. And those children are called invalids once they're born because they are deemed just imperfect by the system. And what I find so fascinating about this film is it doesn't seem far from where we are. Not to say that I think we're headed in that direction, but it just seems like this is something where I think we probably have a lot of this technology already and just a little more development, we could probably end up in this system and if if people aren't careful, we could easily fall into this sort of uh you know the way that the the society is structured and it's frightening and that's what I found so fascinating about this film is it just took a simple uh fictional scientific idea and turned it into a fascinating story about what people are and and uh, what it means to be uh you know a a person with with good genes versus a person with maybe some faults in their genes, and and what does the human spirit come from, and and the 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 drive to do something and to achieve, can that be something that is genetically uh, built into a person? And I just I was mesmerized when I first saw this film with all these ideas it was presenting, and watching it again, I think uh, Andrew Nichol, who wrote and directed this film, really came up with. An absolutely fantastic science fiction film that is not necessarily too far in the future, but really looks at a kind of a frightening dystopian world. I I don't know if dystopian is really the right word, but it, it could be depending on how you're looking at exactly what this world is doing and how this cl- these classes are being created and and what it means to uh society. I really find it a fascinating film.
0: You know, I think it it I agree with you and um you know, there's I think a lot to love about what the movie challenges. And I think particularly because it's so the the topic is so close to scientific reality or at least our perception of scientific reality, um it it's uh it, in a way and I think I yeah, Gosh, I, there there was a fantastic quote. David Kirby is a is a, a bioethicist. Or at least he was a bioethicist at Tufts at E.D.U. and wrote a paper in 2000 uh, on the bioethics of Gattaca. And in it, he he you know his his case is: look, uh, there is a lot that goes on in in gene therapy that's really really good. Uh, but unfortunately, what one of the things that we know about science fiction and uh, typically science fiction and horror is that what people see in the movies, they tend to believe or, you know, form their kind of philosophical belief structure around uh, in reality. And, you know, his case is, and, and he, he writes a uh, lengthy discussion of, about um You know, about Gattaca's presentation of this stuff is that, you know what, it's it's uh, uh, it actually does a disservice to the science because it pushes such a a sort of horrific end to which is only one of many possible ends based on where we are in the technology right now.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if it was him or somebody else. Actually, I think it was uh, somebody else. It was it was in a review in when the film came out in the journal Natural Genetics Molecular biologist Lee M. Silver said that all geneticists should see this film if for no other reason than to understand the perception of our trade held by so many of the public at large, which is exactly what you're saying. It's like this is is what people think that these geneticists are really doing.
0: Right. Right. And and I think that ends up being sort of a that ends up being a, a challenge that the film, you know, that's not the purpose of the film. That's not why, you know, it, the, the film is out there to present a, a thriller and a drama, or, or you know, around this world based on sort of near science. And I, I think they end up, um, it, you know, my perspective is, I think it's, you know, I think it's probably a good thing to address some of these possible horizons in film. And I think that's kind of the role, the cultural role of film. And I I think Gattaca is one of those examples that does it, um, you know, really well and pushes just the right envelope.
1: Well, and, you know, and that's what science fiction, good science fiction has always been, is it takes what's out there and it looks at what it could become. You know, that's that's kind of the nature of a lot of these great sci-fi stories that, that, Um, had been around for the last hundred years. You get these really interesting looks at something that's not too far from where we are, but if we go in that direction a little, and we just kind of, uh, you know, um, just kind of keep nudging in that direction, next thing we know, we could be in this world if we're not careful. That's what I really enjoy about these uh, science fiction films, is it's not that far off. And, you know, I, I understand these geneticists getting kind of up in arms that, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about. This isn't what it's all about. It's like, well, you know, you're missing the point if that's what you're attacking the film for. The film isn't necessarily stating that this is what geneticists are doing or working toward, but it's an idea. and, And it's not, it's an idea that's, in a way, it's almost looking at eugenics and all of that sort of thing. It's just looking at the modification of, of a of a people to kind of breed out imperfections and and the the morality of that
0: right right you know uh, I was just going to say like you know it it really is it, it's looking at this one sort of philosophical ideal around behavioral sort of eugenics and that that is that is the role of the film and I think that's that's you know fascinating and and Sony um, you know they went to great lengths to. Uh, you knowing that this would be a a uh, you know a film that that um, uh, pushed a lot of buttons, uh, they went to great lengths to have just the right sort of sci- involvement from the science community. They had a, a, a scientist on board to help them, uh, you know, craft, make sure that the the message was presented uh, as a drama, and and uh, and they still ended up running ads in. The USA Today, New York Times, Washington Post, and the LA Times uh, full-page Gattaca ads, with just posters from Gattaca saying "children made to order." So, mm. in no way, sticking their proverbial foot in their um, in their collective mouths. That, uh, it's um, uh, it, it still ends up being <laughs> a, uh, I think a fantastic tribute to near science, and that's that is one of the things I was going to say. As uh, you know, you. You you brought up this idea of the role of science fiction, and I think the role of of uh, original science fiction is um, that it it pushes uh, it pushes us to think about the things that are right here in front of us and make connections to the things that we that that we have yet to discover or yet to implement. But it is it is in a way the most sort of uh, tangible, and and that I think is what connects me to this film in so many ways, and and it also. Uh, is what disconnects me to the film i think in in a couple of areas that i that i find that i don't need uh oh, yeah. in terms of the structure of the film and i i was surprised because i didn't i didn't remember this the these elements that i didn't i didn't really need like uh, or or i would need more of right so okay. um okay so the, the his birth right the backstory wow. of his birth, and and let me take a step back. When you when you just listen to the voiceover, there are so few films where I like the voiceover, right? Yeah, I love the voiceover in this film. I love the writing in this film. I think this mm-hmm. is uh, the this film. It's like music. I mean the 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 language. Maybe it's the combination of language and and um you know Ethan Hawke's kind of um uh, uh, sort of beatnik soliloquy kind of a uh, <laughs> thing that he's got going on there. It's it is um there there are pieces of language in this film that are are close to hemingway and and um i think the uh I, I i find it fascinating to watch it as a as a science fiction film when it feels like such a throwback um to other great literature so i uh, more to that in a minute um i i love the parental thing right mm-hmm. yeah i love that that exists and and i love that it presents this um, presents the angle of judgment about the parents. It says, you know what? We had this faith child, uh, and and that's the whole that's the whole thing. If you haven't seen the movie in a while, you remember that Ethan Hawke is his character is um, is born. Uh, he's one of the love babies uh, that uh, he's born without any genetic modification. And as such, you know, once they type him as he is born, they realize that he's he's got a potential heart condition. And he's gonna he's gonna die at thirty, whatever. Right. Okay, so then they go back to have a second child, and they do it the way you're supposed to do it in this sort of near future society, where they do all the genetic tests, and they go ahead, and and uh, the doctor goes in and says, "Well, here's kind of what we're planning for your baby, and here are the choices you can make." And and um, uh, they say, "You know, we just we just want the diseases fixed. We want to leave some things up to chance." And he says, "Well, really, you sure you want to do that?" Because everyone else is doing it this way don't you want to make sure your child is is up to that that um you know that level and and i as a parent that hits me straight in the chest every single time right yeah. when you think of accommodations that you make in the classroom what does it take to make sure that your child is within the standard deviation of normal right right And here we are in an example of this. I think what this this film paints is great example of of what that looks like Uh, then. And and so so far, I'm totally in. I love the relationship of the brothers Mm -hmm. and I I really love the uh, the the swimming bit. They have this little running competition and that sets us up for, um, uh, you know what, even if you're genetically, um, you know, quote, genetically inferior, or in the film's parlance, invalid, mm-hmm. y- you still can swim a hell of a long way. Right. Um, but then, and then the movie takes this awesome turn, and we see that Ethan Hawke is moving into this other world, and then we we realize that there is, I mean, I at least for me, I feel like I've moved on from that story. It was great foundational material for my believing in this universe that they've set up, and now i've moved on and it and i hadn't thought about the fact that he had a brother mm-hmm. in forever and right. then it turns out to be the cop right right and that felt just a touch on the nose for me and yet to throw back to hemingway that this whole thing the whole search for the brother the whole the brother's whole cause was uh you know what i need a rematch yeah somehow that 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 made it a, a little bit more um palatable but overall that that sort of end sequence I absolutely didn't need that what i needed to know is resolve the fact that ethan hawk gets to go to space or not is he going to get caught that's that's what i want to know right. anything else is is um you know a giant wet tank
1: huh I, I i've never really thought about it that way i can totally see uh how you're getting there though um i it's never been a problem for me i i don't think though so. I don't have a problem with the brother coming back. I didn't see it as on the nose, meaning, um, you know, something that's just way too obvious. Um, it did seem awfully coincidental, except I, I kind of liked the way that they played it. Uh, I don't know. It's just because the way that he he was reacting, you know, it, it was an interesting way. And, and you, whether you thought he was the brother or, you know, had this weird curio- curiosity about really kind of what was going on. Uh I'm not sure the reveal was was interesting, and
0: uh why you're right now, why did you say the reveal was interesting? What was interesting about it? I don't
1: know i guess I guess just the way that they revealed it it didn't feel like they were trying to make it like a big uh dun 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 yeah. sort of moment. It just kind of the way that he calls his name out um i mean as the investigating the head, the cop in charge of the investigation. It's like he should have known the name because he knew the person who they were chasing. He knew the name of that that invalid that they caught the DNA from. You're talking about the um, alley chase, right? Right. The al- when he comes out and they're hiding in the alley, and he looks down the alley and he senses that he's there, and he calls out his name, Vincent. Um, it's, right. it's 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 played in a way where you kind of get this sense that it's a brother calling to his other brother. Like I kind of had that sense without him. Revealing in any way to anyone else that that was the case, because just saying Vincent, that's the name of the person they're in pursuit of. There's nothing strange about him calling out the name Vincent. So for me, I, I liked the way they did that, because it really kind of hinted to me, oh, yeah, it's, you know, that's, that's the brother, because I don't know the way he called out. It just seemed like a brotherly way or something, but... You know, I just kind of had that. Uh, I, I liked the way they dealt with that, rather than making it so. No, I'm your brother. Sort of, you know, big reveal, sort of, you know, moment.
0: Yeah, so. uh, yeah. I, and and you know, I, I think uh, in in that respect, I you know, when you look at the the final swim, um, when he has what I uh, sort of ascribe to the Incredible Hulk or uh, moment. Yeah. This is, you know, my secret. I'm always angry. <laughs> That's a secret. I didn't save any for the trip back. That's you know, right, you know. Uh when they have that moment it it makes that that sort of the brotherly chase element uh a little bit more intimate. Right? Yeah. Familial, I should say. Um and yet he yelled the name in the alley there was um you know there was I I think each character had one other moment in their respective storylines. Um, where they were asking uh, um, an angle on a particular question about the the other, uh, like, did you catch his name? Uh, you know, when Hawk's character says, "Did you catch his name?" and and you're kind of thinking, okay, maybe they do know each other, right. and and yet it comes up in, it it's sort of largely irrelevant to yeah. what I really wanted to know, and that and and uh, I'd never seen that as a shortcoming in the film before, and and now it just sort of stuck out at me. Huh. I know I belabored it way too long.
1: Though. Well, but you know, I will say there is something every time I watch this, where by the time I hit the third act, um, and I'm I'm kind of anticipating the the trip to space and is he gonna get caught or not? I do feel like there's something that's kind of a little hitch in the third act that does bog it down a little bit. And I I didn't really examine it too too much when I watched it this time. Um, I I just kind of you know was just invested in the film. I I didn't really. Um, check it, but I mean, maybe that is what it was.
0: Well, it certainly is for me. It it, yeah. it represents where, like you say, it's that hitch um, that that just gets in the way of resolution for me. Yeah, I'm already up there. I mean, emotionally, I'm already ready. I'm excited about the chase. Yeah, and what gets in the way of the chase is is uh, the brother, and not in a in a dramatic obstacle fashion. You know,
1: right the brother played by Lauren Dean who's uh he was one of those guys who kind of seemed to pop out of nowhere he kind of he you look at his uh his um uh, filmography he's actually been in a lot of stuff from uh the late 80s through um 2011 um he seemed like a guy who seemed like close to kind of popping and then he just kind of always it seems like he's just kind of a supporting actor sort of guy, but he was Joe in Say Anything. I never, I never caught that. I'm gonna have to watch Joe. Say Anything. Joe, oh my goodness,
0: yeah. that's great.
1: I think that's hilarious.
0: Oh, uh, makes me think of that song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, don't you even think it? Don't you even think it? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. I had. N- oh, that's been a long time. Nice catch. Yeah,
1: little little tidbit of uh of trivia for you.
0: Man, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of DNA in this movie. Did you catch all the DNA? Uh yes. A lot of DNA in this movie. There definitely is. I love them some DNA. Uh all the letters. D and no. Adenine, <laughs> guanine, thiamine, cytosine. Is that right? I'm doing that's, that from that, memory. That's probably uh uh yeah the the core is it elements would you call them the core elements of dna they're they're
1: the the four
0: dna the four nitrogenous n- bases n- nitrogenous <laughs> sounds like a soap <laughs> um, not neutrogena. Um, anytime <laughs> nitrogenous <laughs> the nitrogenous <laughs> bases of dna anytime you see the letter uh, uh, a c t g and g uh in the film it's they're set apart in either a different font a different color um and uh, a slightly different uh something the the uh, s- some way to set the case apart so that you know we're talking DNA in Gattaca that's what that's you need it's only to in know. the titles this is it's not through the whole film is it well apparently it's in the whole film and when you look at it in the when you look at when their names like show up on the little screen they're slightly lower than baseline interesting yeah, I make a big point about pointing out the um, uh, the staircase that is it looks the, like you know, the double helix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That may be a little bit of a stretch. for me.
1: But yeah, you know, I, I liked all that. In fact, that's something that I think is definitely worth talking about with this film is the yeah. look of it. Yeah, I love the the future. It's like the past future sort of look. And this is something that actually um they brought up in Sunshine uh, as well. I don't think we discussed it, but the production designer of Sunshine said, "I think he coined it like the 50-year rule or something like that, where any time you're in a in a particular year, you can really have things going back at least 50 years before that, and it still is around. Like if you look at where we are today, Mm -hmm. you're still gonna have people driving cars from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, it's all that stuff is still out there. People still." you know, have some crazy clothes that they throw on every now and then the looks, the buildings, it's all there. And so the, the way that they incorporated like the Marin County civic center building that Frank Lloyd Wright designed in 1960 and the you know, the, uh, the Otis, uh, o- right. Yeah. The Otis college of art and design
0: 1918.
1: Yeah. They, they incorporated a lot of really fascinating, uh, architectural buildings to make them look futuristic, even the cars were kind of these, these uh, based on these '60s cars, and so I really like the way they did that. And it, you know, I mean, it obviously did a, a great job for uh, uh, I don't know if it's Jan Jan Rolf's and uh, Nancy Nye, the two uh, you know production designer and set decorator for this film, but they were nominated for an Academy Award for it, their work, which you know I I love watching this film. Because of the look, it's just—I mean—that's one of the reasons that I enjoy it. Is it just looks so unique, and I love that they found it in stuff that's out there right now.
0: Well, I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. And the other thing I want to make note of is the uh, is the costume design, yeah. Uh, right, this sort of, the film noir kind of a costume uh, costume design, particularly for the men. Uh, this is sort of an androgynous suit style. Yeah. Uh, in Uma Thurman, uh, the, uh, uh, I think that was such an interesting choice and it doesn't strike you as interesting until they're all shot into space wearing their suits. Yeah. Right. Right. At, at, at first Which it's I, I, just a style choice. Right. And then they're making, now, now they're making a statement. Yeah. When you can wear a suit to space, now you're making a statement.
1: Well, and it's interesting that these, this group, the valids, all of these people who are able to work at Gattaca, which in the in the context of the film is the name of the company that's that's doing all these space missions, mm-hmm. um, all of those people are always dressed dressed in these fancy suits and all that sort of stuff. And then you look at the invalids, like Ernest Borgnine, who kind of is the head of the the janitorial crew cleaning up Gattaca and they have their own kind of just low end outfits the kind of the janitorial you know the grubby clothes so it's interesting it's that's it's it's not a drastic difference between the two but it's enough of a difference where it's it's clear that there's that delineation between those uh, those groups
0: it works uh i think it works exceptionally well in this movie in particular when you talk about the production design um everything looks like it fits yep it it just fits, and and this is another one of those incredibly visual films. The the locations that they found, uh, you know, we've already named uh, two of them. The the other, uh, y- you know, when Uma Thurman and and Ethan Hawke are having their conversation, in the uh, it's that Los Angeles cistern, right? The the runoff. Yeah. Um, what do they call it? It's a ditch. It's essentially a gorgeous Art Deco ditch. Uh, in Los Angeles, and they're standing in it having a conversation about space and the framing uh, of this this sequence, essentially this sort of very wide two-shot of these characters looking up yeah. um, on a very bright day uh, with this giant scaffold over them uh, of of just concrete structure. is it, it really is, it just sort of takes your breath away.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Uh, th- it is an extremely bold uh, block heavy production design, and I, you know, as a result of this sort of uh, 1950s modernist, postmodernist, is that what it was then? Anyway, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm... This style, it was, it's yeah. really
1: moving. And and then taking that and finding the right way to shoot it, so it has kind of this this tech noir sort of feel. You know, it's 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 kind of bold in its in its monotonous look, right? It's got some very interesting, strong, uh, solid colors throughout. You know, just just the way that you see the lights, like that when he's walking into the the rocket, as I recall, it's like that kind of that mm-hmm. light up tube almost with kind of the 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 lines on the wall. And just as he's walking, it's just this this kind of this glow, this bluish glow on everything. And I, I don't know how you pronounce the DP's name. Is it Slava Slavomir Itziak? That's my best
0: You're, guess. And since you are the the uh, knowledge base of all things pronunciation that's right
1: he's uh, he's polish um he's been around since uh since 45 he's uh done a lot of uh work with uh people like Christoph Kieslowski. uh he did uh black hawk down for ridley scott um unfortunately he did king arthur and proof of life um poor guy but uh he's all, he done uh, harry potter and the order of the phoenix and, you know, he's a guy who's been around. He's done a lot of kind of these really kind of quiet Euro indie uh, art house type of films and a lot of big Hollywood films. He really knows how to make a film look good. And I think Gattaca is just a gorgeous from beginning to
0: end. This is um, as I was watching it this evening. I'm thinking to myself, gosh, you know what? Yeah, uh, w- one of the things that made the artist so wonderful is this, this just that high contrast black and white. And this is one of those films that I think uh, w- I could watch this in black and white, and I think it would have actually added to the film. It's one of those films that I think is that close to um, to making that sort of bold of a style choice in terms of, of uh, actual you know cinematography.
1: Right. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Would have been interesting.
0: It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to talk about in this film?
1: Well, we should finish running down the cast. So we've yep. mentioned Ethan Hawke. We and haven't Uma talked Thurman.
0: about Uma. Well, we should even, talk about Uma
1: and, and Ethan and Uma. This is the film where they met. This is the film where they uh, ended up, you know, falling in love and getting married. And I can't quite remember how long they were married, but uh, for for a good number of years before it uh, it ended. But this is where it all
0: started, right? Yeah. So for those it, it, who are interested in Ethan and, and Uma. It,
1: it ended two
0: thousand four. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So there we go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Jude Law.
1: This was one of his first. Uh, I mean, he had been acting a few years before this, but this was kind of a breakout film for him. In a kind of a year of a couple years of some breakouts, this was one for him. Great, great performance in this film. I really like Jude Law. He's got this. Um, he's the one who is kind of you know, has this deal with with uh, Ethan Hawke's character, Vincent. He's kind of trading his his DNA samplings of blood and urine and, you know, eyelashes and and skin. skin. (laughs) It's like the worst things that you'd want to be carrying around in baggies. You know, he's got it all set for uh, Ethan to be uh, using to to prove he he is who he, uh, he says he is. And But Jude Law um, uh, is doing all this because he had been in a car accident and broken his legs, and he's now uh, uh, paraplegic. And the, the bitterness that he has in his character I find so fascinating, paired with his um, – it's almost a desire to get back at the society that essentially – he, I mean, it's almost like he never introduced himself back to the society because he knows that they will instantly shut the door on him because he's no longer a perfect specimen anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it's a funny sort of parallel motivation for these two characters, right? This yeah, is, absolutely. This is one of those where he, you know, his motivation to get back at society is to, you know, essentially to prove them right. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke, his motivation is essentially to prove them wrong. But they both want the exact same thing. Yep. Uh and I think it's uh it, it makes for uh it's a perfect pairing.
1: And I love seeing I love all the scenes between those two guys. Yeah. I think they work really well together, they uh play off each other nicely, and I, I just think Jude Law brings so much to the table. And you can see watching an early Jude Law performance like this, you can see why he became Jude Law that he is today.
0: Alfie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and yes, you bring that one up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yep. uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. What What happened to Uma, though? Seriously.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: In, you know, if if she's not working with with Quentin Tarantino, it's like she just can't make a good movie anymore.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. She's one of those that is um, a little bit tricky to to watch i think maybe yeah i, I th- there's a good chance she's actually poisoned me uh in you know with her portrayal of poison ivy And i didn't mean that to be uh, to be a play either i i that was that movie was so repellent that yeah. i find it so hard to watch her in anything else um because i automatically think of that and then it's done Oh,
1: well, that's too bad.
0: I didn't. Even, I mean, Kill Bill. I mean, I was raised about Kill Bill. I and I, it's great. I I enjoyed Kill Bill, but I surely not for her.
1: Oh, I I love her in it. I I have a great time watching her, but I I just I I wish that she was in some more good stuff because you know I I enjoy watching her and it's just she's not in enough stuff.
0: What about actually... my uh my super ex girlfriend? Yeah. You think of that.
1: Yeah. Is that, See. Is that a hit? That's something else that's just not good. Ah, she needs to be fiction. in more good things.
0: Pulp Fiction, that's good. You know what it is? Maybe it's that uh, it it's that her style requires a certain um, austerity in performance. Yeah. I think that uh, that word for me keeps coming up when I think about uh, about Gattaca in particular. It's like every choice is made with this austere sensibility. What what are we going to do? What did, what choices are we going to make uh whether it's a a performance choice, uh, whether it's a a production choice, whether it's a design choice that that really drills down to this sense of austerity or simplicity. Yeah. Um and as a result, I think it's. I mean, just look at the desks, right? Look at the desks that these people work in. Right. It it takes me back immediately to uh, Christmas in July, right? Yeah, and, and I, I think of
1: Brazil. I think in Brazil, you know, right? Yeah, absolutely, those sorts of films, right? You got this. This future, where it's just these workhouses right
0: and these are these are business people, right these yep. are supposedly the valids the the professionals, and what they do is they come sit down at a desk that doesn't actually have a desk, it's just a keyboard and a computer, and they type real hard all day yep and um uh and there's just a guy, the boss, who just walks up and down and and checks the work yep. and uh, uh You know, it it is that desk looking at the curved style of that desk and the simple chair and the simple, uh, you know, the the simple framing around it. It's just it's it is uh, beautifully kind of just organic and um, it just everything fits. And I think that, you know, I look at the you look at Uma and her performance and I I did not find I actually don't find her, uh, you know, completely repellent in this film. Uh, no, yeah, and I think a smart. lot of it is because of that austerity in her character. Like it, well, her choices yeah. are so like her moves are so small uh, and appropriately. So,
1: yeah, no. And I think you're absolutely right. I think she does bring that to the table in this film. And it's a very it's a much more controlled performance for her than something like, you know, Batman and Robin. Uh, I just I really enjoy that that austerity that you're talking about in her in this film, it really works for the type of people in this society, and she plays it well.
0: So, so she does, does so does that uh, Gore, Vidal.
1: Gore Vidal is great as the director of the space program here. Uh, he's great. I love Xander Berkeley in this. I think he's great as this doctor with a you know with the son that he brings up a couple times. That you know it seems that you know there's got to be a reason he keeps bringing it up, and you find out at the
0: end. Which it's is, nice. and that's the story that I want resolved, right? And, and back to the brother thing, not to, you know, again, belabor that, but it's, it's that's the story that I really wanted and I, it resolved so well. Uh, I, I loved the moment that they have at the end when, uh, yeah. when it comes out that really he keeps bringing up the brother because the, or the son, because the son also has a defect and he knows yeah. that it's going to be so hard. And not only is Vincent an astronaut. Uh, but he has a he's he's an invalid right. uh, and he's he's going to space
1: he's somebody who can give hope to these other uh invalids or exactly. people with defects yeah yeah that's yeah, a great moment great moment oh it is a great moment yeah
0: uh and he's a he's a great character to watch
1: yeah i always enjoy xander Berkeley, and he's he's got some really funny bits in this because of his role it's like every time he he's saying something it's it just it's just sounding so awkward but it makes me laugh. His his stuff oh really God. makes me laugh at this. When he's talking about
0: it, <laughs> yeah. he, tells, he tells Vincent that he has a fantastic uh, yeah. uh, equipment. Package. Package. Yep. As he's watching him do the urinalysis. <laughs> no, really, I wish. Uh-huh. Yeah, what is, what's the? There's a fantastic line. He says, I wish my parents would have ordered something like, or equipment like that for me. Yeah. So.
1: He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, you got to have humor when you're doing this. Yeah. Uh-huh. It just, yeah. That's really good. good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elias Gataeus is mm-hmm. is great. Uh, we've chatted about him before in some of uh, Fincher's films. He's always fun to watch and he brings an interesting vibe to a performance. And he does great as the father struggling with the idea of, you know, choosing how he wants to have his second son after his first right. son ends up with these these conditions and everything. Blair Underwood randomly pops up as a geneticist, which is an odd little, uh, odd little appearance. <laughs> Right, with a weird beard. Yeah, he has a weird beard. I didn't even recognize him at first. I'm like, oh, that's Blair Underwood. It's a
0: beard (laughs) of the future right there.
1: Future beard. Uh, Tony Shalhoub is great as kind of the uh, creepy, what would you call him, genetic dealer or something? Like black market gene dealer? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's the one who sets up this whole whole thing between uh, Ethan Hawke's character and Jude Law's character. And it's just an interesting thing that, totally would happen if society went this way you would have these black market dealers trading in people's genetic uh elements and it's uh I, the way that he plays it is just very straightforward it, there's it's like he sees nothing wrong with it he's that's his job very interesting i always enjoy watching tony Shaloub.
0: tony Shaloub um yeah he's yeah, i i'm oh man i i just i he's one of those top 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 character actors uh, and I don't think I realized it until he brought it back to TV. Uh, Monk is just a, it's, it's a fantastic character.
1: Yeah, really is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's been great in a lot of things. He's, He's been just great. really great. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, of course, Alan Arkin, who's always good. He plays the detective.
0: Not enough Alan Arkin in this movie. Uh, you know,
1: there's hardly ever enough Alan Is Arkin. there
0: really ever enough yeah, Alan Arkin? That's
1: right. Everyone could use a little more Alan Arkin in their lives. And uh, gosh, I think that's most everyone except the person that I missed in a very bit part. Maya Rudolph pops up as the, as the delivery nurse when when the kids are born. That's yeah.
0: exactly what I was just going to bring that up. I'm I am trying to scrub to that moment because I didn't pick it up that she was yeah. in this until after I was looking at the credits. Right. Uh, that she's in this film and she's uh, it's so funny. The, the, one yeah. of the other nurses um, was also. Gosh, who was it? Una, Una Damon, Una Kim. I don't know who that is. She was the other, the other nurse, and she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, a Boy, bunch, she
1: a bunch sure of stuff. has. Deep Rising, Deep Impact, the right? Two and so. Race. Yeah. She was the lab tour guide, uncredited in Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah. Totally familiar. <laughs> <sighs> So it's, I mean, it is a great cast. A lot of great people in this film. And and the person that we really haven't talked at all about is Andrew Nichol. We have not. This is his first film. (laughs) This is his first film as director, as writer-director. Actually, and then The Truman Show came out the next year, I guess, right? Yeah, Truman Show was 98. Yeah, I was thinking it was before this, but it's actually after this. Right. Which which he wrote and produced, but Peter Weir directed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Andrew Nichol's uh, from New Zealand. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, I, I'm not quite sure how he broke into the scene, but this was his first film. And then he'd written the Truman show and that got out there. and Then he directed Simone, which was a bomb, um, Lord of War, which is, uh, I really enjoy that movie. It, uh, I don't think it did that well. And then well, it, Lord
0: of War was, that was the, uh, that was the Nicolas Cage, right? The, yeah. Yeah. Right. I actually quite like that one. Yeah. And, you know, pretty, yeah, that was
1: good. It's, it's pretty interesting. I, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on in that film. Uh, also with Ethan Ethan Hawke as well. And Mm -hmm. then In Time, which you didn't uh, care for too much, it had a lot of really interesting concepts, but it did kind of fall apart a little bit.
0: That was one I really, really wanted to love too.
1: Right. And then his new film just came out actually this weekend, The Host, the new Stephanie Meyer, uh, or the the new film based on Stephanie Meyer's latest new
0: series. This is one that I, I think I asked you the last series she came out with, if I should care about it. Should I care about The Host?
1: I don't think so. My sense is that uh, because if you look at Andrew Nichols' uh filmography of Gattaca, Simone, Lord of War and In Time, the ones that he's actually directed, um they haven't been making a lot of money. Um I'll I'll get to Gattaca in a minute, but it it, it was lost money. Simone didn't make much money. It made less than Gattaca. Lord of War did okay and then In Time did better, but in in no case did he uh, he hasn't even broken $40 million uh, domestically for any of his budgets, just not doing very well. Yeah. Um, in time, definitely, um, it came close to, it was about 175 worldwide. So, I mean, it, it made a little bit more, but his films have not been doing well. So my sense is that uh, somebody said, look, let's get you on a big project where we can get your name back, making something good that uh, makes a lot of money. Um, and so there's the host. Hmm. Stephanie Meyer's new thing. All right, you get all those Twilight kids to go in and watch it. So, you know, I hope it does well for him. I think he's a a unique uh, filmmaker that tells some really interesting stories. The Truman Show, I think, is a really fascinating film. I would like to, I would like to see more of him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And and um, you know, he's gosh, boy, you're right about sim one what a bomb but uh, the the truman show gattaca this was these were um i think more interesting uh kind of character stories than really anything that he's done since certainly in time you know doesn't doesn't quite get there
1: it it was close the concept is really fascinating
0: it is fascinating yeah
1: the film didn't really get there
0: that's going to be one that's going to be a great remake in 20 years (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Somebody's gonna do a great job of that movie.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: Alright. What else so, do you have on the on Gattaca? We should talk. Should we talk about the uh we did did you already uh should we talk about the budgets? Uh
1: yeah, I, I briefly mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think is interesting in the in in light of completing our original sci-fi yeah uh series here. Gattaca cost thirty-six million to make like I said, it grossed about 12.5 domestically. I don't have any figures on what it grossed internationally, but the consensus of it was that it was a box office failure. Um, it only, um, uh, so based on those numbers, it lost about $221,000 per finished minute. So it didn't do very well for itself. And in the context of the original film, original sci fi films that we picked Dark City, Sunshine, Moon, and Gattaca, Moon is the only one that actually shows a profit when you look at the figures. The rest are all bombs. And and the profit for Moon is is very small. It right. you know, it looks like the total budget on that was 8.5 million. Uh the total gross was 9.7. So it didn't make a ton of money. And I think hmm. this is what happens with original sci-fi one. It doesn't seem to draw a lot of people for some strange reason, but two, it turns into something that um because it's not making money nobody wants to make a sequel out of it nobody wants to turn it into a spin-off TV series or anything like that Gattaca actually came close there was actual talk of a, a TV series happening from Gattaca but it uh, it never ended up happening
0: but that was that was fairly recently right? yeah that i mean was that was in the late 2000s right i yeah, mean that's right. um I, yeah i mean that's a that's a really good point and and so i wonder what is it that makes I mean, besides the fact that we're, you know, that we're saying that these films these are, are sort of, um, I don't know how do you how do you define that? Are they too aspirational uh, for people to really wrap their heads around? Are they too? Um, I, I think it's just, I mean, when people think sci-fi,
1: my sense is that people really want to get into a big over-the-top space spectacular, Star Wars style sci-fi. That's my sense, and and maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, no, obvious.
0: I I, I, I I was gonna say I think you're exactly right. I I think there is this. Uh, I I think we're talking about um, popular sci-fi versus the sort of hard sci-fi, or or you know, sort of sci-fi for grown-ups.
1: Yeah, it's it. What's well, the? It's the genre film. People right. want the genre film. They hear sci-fi, they want what the genre film means. They don't want it to be a drama set in a, a science science fiction world. I think that was one of the reasons that the Solaris remake with George Clooney, uh, that Steven Soderbergh did. I think that was a big failure because of that. People were going and expecting a big sci-fi film. They're expecting a George Clooney film, whatever it right. was. They're expecting. They got this heavy drama that dealt with some pretty heady issues about um the nature of man and the nature of you know uh, the ones you loved and getting them back and all that sort of thing it was a really fascinating film as is the original but it didn't do very well people didn't want that people wanted you know uh, the next great uh you know shoot 'em up in space movie
0: mm-hmm. yeah waiting for the millennium falcon yeah yeah, no, I, I can totally see that. And these, uh, I think that's one of the things that stands out for at least these four movies that we've done, is that the story, uh, with the exception, uh, with the, I think the exception of Sunshine, right? Where they're specifically sending a bomb to the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, the the stories could, you could move the elements of the story into a different setting and it would still be a good story. Yeah, absolutely. Am I crazy? There, I mean, I you know, you look at at, um, I mean, Gattaca certainly takes, um you know, takes license with the genetic stuff, but we're talking about a you know, this is a Romeo and Juliet sto- uh, story, um, you know, at its at its core, this is a this is the haves and have nots story, and this is right. this can happen anywhere, right? Uh, and I think they they you know, Nichols' execution of it here is made. Um, Is made sort of more colorful as a result of the science fiction setting, uh, but not uh, exclusively because of it.
1: No, exactly. But that's what's that's what's great about this sort of science fiction film is it gives you a really unique palette to use to tell these thinking man stories about you know uh, challenging you to look at the nature of man. You know whether it's the nature of uh what it means to be a man uh, uh, of a person based on your genetics or what it means to be a unique individual in the world of cloning like in moon mm-hmm. uh, or what is it like to um you know come face to face with what made you knowing that you know there's a potential end to everything that there is about us in sunshine how does that change your your philosophies or or a dark city you know what is it that is is the human soul you know it can can i take this person and put them into this person's life is it are they going to totally adapt to that or you know is there something more to a person in every case there's a really interesting psychological look at what it means to be a person mm-hmm. and i find that really fascinating in all of these cases and the way that you can use the tools uh, within science fiction to tell those stories, I think that's why it's an amazing genre. And I I hope that more filmmakers uh, will challenge themselves to make this sort of science fiction film. Not to say the others aren't great and not to say that you can't look at those sorts of things in bigger, um, more bombastic Typical science fiction films, but I, I really like this type of science fiction film. I think there's a lot to it.
0: Well, I think that's uh, you look at Moon and Gattaca in particular. I mean, these are films that, um, in, in so many ways, the the we we take for granted the fact that it's. I mean, they tell us where what time we're in. You know, they tell us where we are, and the story is powerful enough. and The portrayal of these characters are powerful enough, and the the sort of ideals that the film is setting out to to. Um, uh, convince us in one way or another. Uh, the ideal of the film is is sort of the way it should be. It's strong enough that uh, that we let go of the fact that there's no Millennium Falcon, right. and and I think that's an Im- that's an important element. That in so in in this film in particular, we don't go to space. Science fiction does not have to be about space. It doesn't, and and yet it is still a powerful futurist um, sort of a portrayal. And the the sparseness of the f- science, or I shouldn't say sparseness of the science, the sparseness of the fantasy elements, um, I I think actually make it a a stronger, more interesting film. Particularly when you're talking about, you know, digging into these ideas of identity. What is it that makes a person? Uh, You know, I I love how Gattaca handles that in that angle where, uh, you know... uh, they're challenging Ethan Hawke and Jude Law's characters are challenging the cultural uh, ideal that identity is determined by um, you know what you know by data right Mm -hmm. what others think of data and and um, you know Moon very much you know sort of idealizes this identity is is inside out Um, and uh, you know we get the uh, again the uh, Dark City Identity is imprinting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a, I, what a fantastic uh, set of films to put together.
1: Yeah, and I I don't think either of us went in no. with the intention to even plan any sort of tie in between these, other than they're great original science fiction films. But it really ended up being a fascinating quadrilogy, yeah. I guess, if you will, of of films that really look at. Uh, at you know being human so yeah so
0: wow what a great film yeah um all right so you know i what do you what do you think are we are we wrapped up with the the this year's series of original science fiction i well i i you have have a few more things no
1: i actually i don't i think we i think we rattled through all of them pretty well um
0: so yeah I um I'm you know I think we I think we need to revisit this is another one that I think we need to revisit Absolutely in a, in another another way in another time but this is uh this has been great fun to to revisit some of these films that I don't I, I don't typically put in uh, to watch all the time
1: Yeah and well and you know I would love to hear from our listeners what are some of your favorite original science fiction films Yeah um you know I I mean it's unfortunate that I I hate saying it because it sounds so uh, (laughs) just it sounds so terrible Um, when a great original science fiction film does well, they seem to spawn sequels. And uh, you know, it just it makes it harder for us to pick because I like something like RoboCop. I thought was a, new, a great science fiction film, but yeah. it definitely spawned some terrible sequels and right. spinoffs and stuff. And a, a soon, a soon to be uh, a new version of RoboCop rolling out to theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of great science fiction films out there. Um, finding those ones that are standalone original—that's what we're looking for. So definitely uh, shoot us up, hit us up on Facebook, or or send us an email, or leave us a message. We'd love to hear.
0: Absolutely. I um And what are your thoughts on these
1: four films? We'd love to hear that as well.
0: Yeah, the uh the and oh gosh. Well, I don't know. I keep in the back of my head. I keep thinking, you know, how do we fit Blade Runner in? Part of me doesn't want to do Blade Runner cuz it's well, talk about on the nose. Well, and also it's it's based on a book. Well, that's a good point. So <laughs> it doesn't fit. <sighs> it doesn't fit. Yeah, we can do a Philip K. Dick series. We should. That's how we're going to get around it. There you go. All right. Um, So, next week, we're... What? Are we going to flick chart? Oh, yeah, no, we got to do that first. Yeah, all right. Oh, you know what we did? The other thing we didn't talk about is Esperanto.
1: I'm not sure what that is. What? Esperanto.
0: This is a fantastic bit of trivia that I uncovered. Oh, really? Andy. All right. So, in Gattaca, uh-huh. any time the voice comes over the loudspeaker, right? They're speaking Esperanto. The uh... the completely made up language in 1887 created by L. L. Zamenhof. That's right. <laughs> it is the international auxiliary language. It is the most widely spoken, constructed, international auxiliary, auxiliary language. Its name derives from Doctoro Esperanto, translates to One Who Hopes, the pseudonym under which L. L. Zamenhof published his first book detailing Esperanto, Una Libro, on July 26, 1887. It's an wow. easy-to-learn, politically neutral language that transcends na- nationality and would foster peace and international understanding between people with different regional and or national languages. <sighs> And if you are, <laughs> if you speak Esperanto, you're an Esperantist. <laughs> that's fantastic! What a great little bit of trivia,
1: right? See, that's the sort of thing that I would throw out there, but no, you I hope, know, I totally, totally f- win this one. Oh, man, that's awesome! <laughs> that's never a
0: me thing. Oh, that's fantastic. I never given Esperanto a whole lot of uh, thing. I think there was a, uh, uh, I, I gosh. Well, there's always stories about somebody who, who teaches themselves Esperanto. You read the book, Una Libro now. Unua Libro. But, but uh, now I want to be an Esperantist. That you should. All right, because let's, by, fl- by let's flip chart. Week. Next week I'll be an <laughs> Esperanto. I'm an aspirational Esperantist. There you go. Woo!
1: All right. Uh, that's a good Twitter handle. <laughs>
0: by the time you type it out, there are no more characters left. <laughs> that's right.
1: All right, here we go. Gattaca or Cloud Atlas?
0: Oh well, I I would go Gattaca. I know no, I, I I think no, you probably I call, too. really I will, yeah. Uh-oh.
1: Gattaca or Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. Absolutely. Gattaca or Adaptation. Now ad- here I'll ad- go Adaptation. I was okay. going to say Adaptation.
0: All right, good.
1: Gattaca or The born Supremacy. Gattaca. Okay. Gattaca. Are you are you
0: giving in on that one?
1: No, no. I okay. I, that's that's my least favorite of the Bourne movies. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Gattaca or Sunshine? Sunshine. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Number thirty-five. Are, did 35 we we agreed
0: of, on every single one of those? I
1: think we did. I think that's a first. Man. Wow. That's why. That's so not fast. an that's <laughs> not
0: an entertaining thing to listen to. It's in the DNA, man. Okay. <laughs> <It's the DNA. laughs> okay. So next week we're changing. What did you say? Is thirty-five. 35. All 35 right. out of 80, right. yep. Yeah. Uh, next week we are, uh, man, are we changing things up.
1: We really are. We're jumping back in time a little bit, uh, hitting the 70s, right? 1976.
0: I am very excited for this. I'm actually, I'm doing, Uh, I I got uh, on the Netflix, mm-hmm. Uh, I got uh, the three-hour documentary, A Decade Under the Influence. Have you seen this? this? Is, oh, I love it. I haven't yeah. watched it yet. It just came today, but I'm very excited about it.
1: Fantastic documentary.
0: Yeah. Uh, comes in three parts. It was done by uh, Ted Demi and Richard Lagravenez, uh who stepped in because Ted Demi died during the the right. epic production of this thing. And um, so, I'm I, it looks. I'm talking about covering some of the great films that we're going to be talking about over the next month as right. we jump into 1976. And we're going to kick it off with
1: with Mar- uh, Marathon Man. Yeah, that's right, Marathon Man. Looking oh. forward to it. It was a great year for film. There's just so many great films that year. It was all, all really kind of hard to slim it down. Uh, we're going to be hitting, uh, I guess, five films, right? Yeah. One of them. One of them, The last one will be kind of a crossover to a new series. Yes. But uh, yeah, we. Will, that's all we'll that's, tease with. <laughs> that's all
0: we'll tease with until we figure out how much we're going to. That's right. About. Uh, very excited to talk about Marathon Man next week, uh, Andy. I, I hope you have a. I hope you have a great week.
1: I hope you have a great week.
0: I'm going to... I'm going to... Because you said that, I'm going to go have a
1: great week. Oh, good. I'm glad. I am too. Promise? I promise. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye.
0: Not really. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022...